All right, it's Mortgage 101 with myself, Todd Vino, and uh, Clinton Wilkins. Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership, I should say. Uh, Clinton Wilkins is the one and only joining me here. I mean, you know, in Dartmouth. one and only, and we're back. I know, we're back. Eh? This is the second one. Seems like a long time since the last one of the, the that we've done. For I this. think when a month goes by, yeah. and, you know, we're just seeing each other so much these days. Yeah. You know, and... Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I, I love being back, and I think that this is a great format, and we got some really good feedback yes. when we were on in January. So hopefully we have lots of listeners here on News 95.7, yep. and uh, hopefully we'll have a really great show today. Yeah, we're happy to be back on News 95.7 again. We're going to be doing this all year long, of course, once a month. And it is February. It's the month of love, so the theme of this is... Love your home. Love your home. Do you think most people love their home? I think a lot of people love their home, and yeah. I think Canadians love home ownership. And, you know, that's really what we're talking about today during this show. And, you know, I think when we're talking about things like love your home, it's how can you love your existing home more? And maybe that is renovations. Maybe that's improvements. I don't know. Or maybe it's, you know, love it or list it. Maybe you're going to list your existing home and buy a new home. So these are certainly things that we're going to talk about today. And, uh, I think February is a great time, especially we're getting into that spring market. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, spring can be one of the busiest real estate markets of the entire year. So, Okay, so uh, obviously we're in difficult times. Mm -hmm. uh, that might not be the right. Yeah, I think difficult is the right term. A trying times, certainly challenging times with COVID. What's the, what's the uh, what's an update, I guess, on from what you're hearing about COVID and, and inventory and, and the market in general? What can you tell people what you're hearing? Well, I think it's still red hot in Halifax. I think the prices definitely are up and there's still lots of demand. You know, the apartment rentals right now, uh, the stats came out and it's at 1.9% vacancy, which is very, very low. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, there's still lots of demand in the housing market in terms of home purchases as well. We have lots and lots of people who are pre-approved, but the challenge is there's only so much inventory out there for people to buy. And the prices are up, Todd, you know, you know, and I think that is just a recipe of how many buyers there are in the market and the limited amount of sellers that are willing to sell their existing homes. Okay, so you talk about loving your home. I, I think that it's if you have the right financial situation, the right mortgage, if you if you if you do it right, it's easier to love your home than if you don't, right? Well, nobody wants to sit in a home that they love, but they can't furnish it, and yeah, you're eating craft right. dinner. That's exactly. not really a great situation for anyone. Yeah. So I think that you know, getting that financial advice and make sure that you know you can afford the home that you love, I think, is super important. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think more than ever, it's important to seek the advice of an unbiased mortgage professional like us, because there's so many variances out there and so many different offerings. And you know, we're here for the long run. Really, we're building that relationship with the client. And that's what we're biased to. And, you know, we're really able to go to bat for them. So when you have new people coming in the door and uh, what, what, I don't know what percent, but what type of numbers are you seeing of people who just are not in a good financial situation? Not necessarily with credit or anything like that, but concerning what they're, what they're in with their mortgage with and how you can improve that with, with, with consolidating debt or mm -hmm. whatever, refinancing, whatever. How often do you see that? You know, we see that all the time. And I think that, you know, 2020 was a challenging year for a lot of people just with the fact that, you know, there's some income loss and, you know, maybe some higher expenses. But overall, I think in Halifax, we fared pretty well. But we definitely do see clients every day that have had hard times either making their payments or they've, you know, 
incurred more debt. And the one good thing about 2021 is with the values of the homes being up, borrowers that own homes already typically have some more equity in their property with just the reason that the home values are up. So you can refinance up to 80% of the market value of your home. So if the values are up, that means that you can access maybe a little bit more money that should be able to enable you to get some of that stuff cleaned up. Okay. So when it comes to getting the evaluation done on the property and the assessment process and all of that, can you guide people through that? Because some people might not, they may say, well, the house down the street is just sold for, and that's public information, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So is that is that a good starting point or should people go through the process of actually getting through a broker an assessment done because there are variables at play here, right? Well, typically what we do when we meet with a client, we ask them what they think the market value of the home is. Why do you do that? Well, because we want to know what kind of what they think. I don't live in the house. I'm not sure what the house looks like until we go through that appraisal process. But usually what a borrower thinks is close to what the market value is. Of course, there's some people that think their home is worth way more than it actually is. I mean, that's always going to happen. It doesn't matter what the market is. And there's some people who are more on the conservative side to say, you know what, I think it's only worth X because I bought it for that. Um, So I think that sometimes it's figuring out exactly how much it's worth is you know, important. And obviously that's part of the process, but I think starting with how much the borrower thinks a home is worth based on the comparable sales in the neighborhood is a good starting point. Then we would typically get the mortgage approved and part of the conditions of that approval may be in a full appraisal of the property. At that point, an appraiser would go to the property, you know, take pictures of the inside, outside, and then do a market analysis based on the comparable sales. And that would take into account maybe that sale down the, down the street because what they want to do is they want to compare properties that are similar that sold in that area in recent, you know, a recent time frame. And that's really how that market value is determined. How many people are in that business appraising homes? Is it, is it, are there a lot in town that do, and, and is there consistency when it comes to appraisals? I would say there's definitely some variance when it comes to yeah. appraisals. Yeah. And, you know, there's probably six or eight, uh, you know, big appraisal firms in Halifax. And what I find normally, we have relationships with a bunch of appraisers in Halifax. And depending which lender we go to, we're able to maybe order an appraisal directly from the appraiser, which I find maybe is a little bit better because if we have a relationship, we're able to share maybe some information uh, with the appraiser. There's a little bit more communication. With some lenders, we need to order it through an intermediary, like a management um, company. Right, yeah. And we don't know who the appraiser is. The appraiser doesn't know us, doesn't know the borrower. And I find sometimes with those ones, the price might be a little bit lower. But I think when it comes to an appraisal, you know, you get what you pay for. And, you know, if an appraiser is paid a little bit more money, they're willing to maybe put a little bit more effort in, in terms of really digging out that data. You know, when it's the quick kind of burn and churn, I find sometimes the values come in a little bit lower. And when you're looking for a higher value, you want the appraiser to really put in as much effort as they can to find those sales, whether that's a private sale, whether they need to kind of expand, you know, their search in terms of what properties have sold. So I think it's really important to, you know, come to someone like us because we have those relationships with the Mm -hmm. appraisers that might be able to put in a little bit more effort in in getting that data together. Can you uh, contest it in some way? You know, I think that, you know, I I certainly have seen appraisals that have come down on the lower side. And sometimes that's been 
for clients that are buying a home, you know, the appraisal came in short. We actually had one a couple weeks ago where the borrower had made an offer on a property for 405000 and the appraisal came in at 380000 Right. So what happened in this case, normally the borrower would have to pay dollar for dollar everything uh, on the purchase price that came in above the appraisal value. So the client would have to put down his normal down payment yeah. plus an additional $25,000. But we were able to write a letter um, to the realtor and the realtor was able to go back to the seller and the seller uh, was able to negotiate the price. So they were able to come to an agreement that worked out for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's not normal. But we're in a situation where a lot of homes are selling for above the listing price. And, you know, I think that's maybe a symptom of how hot the market is. Sometimes the listing price is too low, obviously. If you're getting, you know, 20, 30 offers, maybe the the actual listing price of the home might have been on the lower side and they're trying to get that competition. But in some cases, you know, there's emotional purchasing. And I think with those emotional purchases, you're willing to pay a little bit more. Right. And I think it's okay paying on the high end for a home if it's going to be your owner-occupied property and it's a property you're going to be in for the long run. If you're looking for like a short-term type solution, if you're looking for an investment, you know, it's a business transaction and I think you really have to look at the numbers. And there, there are some times when the appraisal is, it is what it is and you just have to tell the client, look, this is just what it is. There's nothing else we can do. Right? And sometimes when it's a unique property or there's not a lot of comparables, you know, there's not really anything that can be done until there's a time that there's more sales that support that higher value. Right. Yeah. So we got lots more to talk about. You want to get into refinancing. You What else you want to talk about in the next little bit? Refinancing. We can talk about pre-approvals, selling yeah. your existing home and purchasing a new one. Okay. All part of Love Your Home, which is which is ties in with our Valentine's theme, right? Exactly. Happy February. <laughs> All right. Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership. Love Your Home. Edition with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. We'll be right back with more. All right, it's Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership, the Love Your Home Edition, because it's Valentine's Day with myself, Todd Vino, the host. And Clinton Wilkins, of course, the man. How's that sound? I love it. The man is great. What do you think about February, Todd? I love it. I yeah. think it's amazing. Flowers and chocolates and all that crap. Are you a romantic person? Absolutely. Sure I am. You don't believe that? I don't know. That kind of surprises me a little bit. Why? Tell me why. I don't know. I think that you're kind of like laissez-faire about some of these things. No. Hopefully your plus one's not listening. But uh... <laughs> No, she'll be listening. Okay, perfect. Yeah, we're, yeah she, we've got it all planned out. We're going to listen. This is this is true romance, listening to us on a Saturday. You know what? I think it's very romantic. <laughs> and then that could really, you know, get those uh, emotions churning into maybe cohabitation. Uh -oh. And maybe a new mortgage, uh, maybe a new mortgage. Maybe you'll sell your existing home. Wow. And maybe you, you'll you, you two will buy a home together. Well, I tell you what, you could you could do the more you the, the, the two sales of the two properties. You could get those as referrals and the new. So that's three mortgages for you. That would be really great. What do you think? I think it, I think it's a great deal. And I mean, who knows what 2021 is going to bring? Potentially, it could be more deals. It could be more deals. Based on how things go. And now, here's something really interesting, and yeah. I'm sure the listeners would be really curious to uh, to hear this. Maybe down the road, if this does come to fruition yes. at some point, yeah. we will bring her in, yeah. and then we can grill her on her experience 
and what that actually looks like uh, for mortgage lending. <laughs> I think that would be really interesting. Well, sometimes what you think is interesting ain't. Ah, uh, well, you know, <laughs> I think that's all a little bit of perspective. But you know what? Obviously, I love mortgage lending. I can talk about it all day, every day. Yes. And hopefully, listeners love hearing about it, too. Yes. Did you notice my nervous laughter right there? I did, yeah. yeah. See, see, it's going to be a little role reversal. It'll be Clinton Wilkins, the host, and Todd Vino, right. the guest. That's right. That's right. All right, let's talk about refinancing because it's a huge part of loving your home. And, and loving your financial life again and getting some and improving that home, right? How much this is a very Honestly, is this more common than it used to be refinancing homes? I would say probably about 40 to 50 percent of our business is refinance, the other 50 percent wow. is obviously purchases. Yeah, and when I talk about refinance, I kind of use that as an umbrella that might be an early renewal, that might be a refinance for renovations debt consolidation, getting a lower interest rate. Maybe it's a refinance for investment purposes. There's lots of reasons why people break their existing mortgage. And maybe it's not even that you're going to break your mortgage uh, midterm. Maybe you're going to pay out your existing mortgage when it comes up for renewal. So I think there's a lot of reasons why people would do it. And I think now more than ever, the rates are just so low that often those optics of that deal really do make sense. And you know, when we're talking about love, I'm not a marriage counselor by any means, mm-hmm. but I can tell you we've saved some relationships with some refinances. How so? Well, I think sometimes it's breaking down those barriers. Sometimes when couples are in a relationship, they kind of operate as independent operators. You mm-hmm. know, they don't talk about you know how much money they make. They don't talk about their credit. They don't talk about their debt. And I think sometimes we're able to bring people together kind of on neutral ground and, you know, present a good solution on how they can move forward, you know, as a single unit together and how the whole household can benefit from something like a refinance. I find that hard to believe that, that two people can be married and not have any idea about each other's finances. I see I, it I, literally every day. Yeah, it would not shock you. Yeah. I mean, obviously it does, it shock, does you, shock me, yeah. but it doesn't shock me because we yeah. see everything. And, you know, I think that there's some couples that are really very uh, intertwined together everything's joint, you know, they have one bank account, full disclosure. Mm -hmm. But then there's the complete opposite, where nothing is joint, except maybe that matrimonial home. Mm -hmm. And you know, when we talk about things like refinance, we want to put the entire household in the best possible financial, you know, uh, situation going forward. And sometimes that does mean paying out some debts. And you know, we actually had a couple in this week, that you know operate basically independently except for that matrimonial home and they both had debt and they were both making payments on this debt but one of the borrowers was primarily making that mortgage payment and they had lots and lots of equity in their home you know they were actually in pretty good financial shape but we were able to present a plan to them that was able to reduce the amortization they were getting their home paid off about eight years faster and they were going to both contribute to paying that mortgage payment, and they were able to clean up all their unsecured debt. So it was a great solution for them, and I think it broke down some of those barriers to just to talk about, okay, this is what I owe, and why, and how can we move forward together. If you don't have the equity, though, in the house, that's that's the key to all of this, right? Yeah, if you don't have the equity, that's a basically a deal breaker. Deal breaker so yeah. when you do a refinance, and let's get back to basics a little bit, and I'm just going to explain how a refinance works. So... Let's assume your home is worth 300000 That's kind of an average house price in Halifax. You can refinance up to 80% of that $300,000 market value. 
So that would mean a new mortgage or a new secured lending up to 240000 Out of that two forty, you would need to pay out all of your secured debt, i.e. mortgage, home equity line of credit, etc. And then the difference between the new mortgage and what you owe already, those are the funds that you can use to consolidate debt, renovations, investments, etc. Mm-hmm. So we always have those conversations up front before we start doing applications and approvals just with what do we think the market value of the house is? And when we're talking about market value, we're talking about what do you think the home is worth? And then we can figure out what does that new mortgage look like? So would you then at that point decide on a term, how, how far out you're going to amortize, whether it be another, because you could you could potentially go 25 years at that point, could you not? Yeah, when you're doing something like a refinance, you can go up to 30-year amortization. That's the right. longest that you can go. And sometimes a longer amortization makes sense. And that brings up a good point. There, You know, there's some people who really, they're like, I want to pay down my mortgage, pay down my mortgage. But if you're sitting on $100,000 of unsecured debt mm-hmm. and you're really trying to force your mortgage down, why would you pay down your lowest interest rate debt first? You should always attack that higher interest rate. And that's why doing a refinance makes sense because the interest rates on a mortgage are always lower than they are on unsecured debt. Is there an age restriction when it comes to when you should or could do this? The mortgage lending isn't ageist when we're talking about getting a mortgage from you know a bank, credit union, trust company. Mm-hmm. The only time that maybe age is a consideration is when we're talking about things like a reverse mortgage or maybe some type of alternative lending. So you know if there's some credit issues or we can't prove the income, that's when we might have to go to an alternative lender. And with those lenders, they um, are maybe not as favorable for retirees, we'll call them. Right. Okay, but again, there, are, there there's this idea out there that 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 if you're over 65 or you're six, over 60 or whatever it might be, you should have that house paid off, but people have debt. At, at it's actually the, the opposite. I'm seeing a lot of consumers right. that are getting ready to retire. Mm-hmm. And part of their retirement plan and getting ready for retirement is looking at a refinance because they're still working, they can qualify, and some of these people that are getting ready for retirement want to take out a mortgage before they retire because they know it's going to be easier to qualify with their employment income. And they're using those funds for investment purposes, they're using those funds to renovate their home, and in some cases they're using those funds to consolidate you know, some unsecured debt to put them in a better financial position going into retirement. And those consumers are, are the ones that are typically taking the longer amortization because they're saying, we don't really care when we pay this off. Having this mortgage at a 25 or 30-year amortization is cheaper than us renting. Okay, so if somebody's in front of you and they're, and they're disclosing to you, they're saying, look, I've got six more months left, I'm retiring. You still file all of that information. That's okay with lenders. Well, it's it, it, mortgage lending is really a snapshot in time. Yeah. So we look at their income, their assets, and their credit based on what the situation is today. At that time, because we don't know. You know, if they could say, "Hey, I might retire in six months," mm-hmm. they may stay for six years. Yeah, we don't change. know. I, I hear this yeah. all the time to be like, "Oh yeah, I'm retiring next year." Right? You're retiring six years from now. Yeah, right. And you know, unless they've actually retired, then obviously that situation is different. But um, we can't really forecast the future. And that's why mortgage lending is really a snapshot in time. And, you know, if you don't qualify today, maybe you will qualify tomorrow. And sometimes there's small things that you need to do to make things work. But we're able to give that feedback 
and make that plan, you know, together. Uh, just quickly, some of those insurance products and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, like, are they, they would be impacted by age, though, would they not? This is, quickly? yeah, for sure. So I know when we're talking about things like credit or insurance, life disability insurance, that is tied to the age and the older you get yeah. and the more, um, you know, debt that you may have that you want to cover, the premiums are certainly going to go up. And a lot of those products are capped at 60, 65, 70 years okay. old, depending on what type of product that is. Okay, lots more to talk about in Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. We'll be right back. I have no sweet clue what song this is, Clinton. You don't like Kendrick Lamar? I didn't say I didn't like it. Don't jump to conclusions, my friend. You know what? I, said, I, think I don't know what it is. It's kind of easy listening. It is. It's you know, popular music? No. <laughs> oh, that's a shot, <laughs> isn't it? I don't know if it's a shot or not. I think it's kind of progressive and light. Oh, okay. But that was a shot. I know. I've I've been I've had shots fired before and I recognize them. It's okay though. I need that. Keep me on my toes. You know what? I really like the like 80s and 70s rock and even in the office Half the day we play 70s and 80s. Yeah. The rest of the day we play like top 40, and then we get into stuff like this, like that progressive. I get it. Uh, you get know, your mojo beats. going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Speaking of mojo, it's Mortgage 101, uh, your guide to home ownership uh, with uh, Clinton Wilkins, who happens to own the business. Tell people about your business. We didn't even do this when we started the show. Uh, well, we I, th- I assume have. everyone knows already, but don't you know, assume anything, my friend. Anyone who wants to check us out, check, yeah. check us out at teamclinton.ca slash radio. All kinds of great information on there. Today, we're talking about love your home. It's February. It's the month of love. And I think home ownership and your home is such a big piece of your life. You spend so much time in your home. And, you know, I think there's so many uh, interesting things around home ownership. And that's really what we're talking about. Okay. So part of this is obviously our listings are, I mean, it's a huge part of the uh, of the process. Mm-hmm. If you don't have lots of listings out there, if you're a buyer, you've got very limited inventory. Conversely, if you're selling, that's good news, right? I think now is the time to sell. If you're considering yeah. selling this year in the near future, get your home listed. There's lots of demand out there. And I think that there's a couple things that we should really touch on. There's some people who are still in a bit of financial hardship and that you just cannot right the ship. There's no better time to list your home than there is right now because there certainly is pent up demand and you'll get, you know, top dollar for that home. And I'm sure, you know, I can even speak to us. We have hundreds of people out there that are pre-approved that are looking for homes every day. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of listings that get offers right away. And we're talking multiple offers. So, I definitely think that it's worth it to think about listing your home if um, if you're going to do it. Okay. So once you list, people are reticent sometimes to list because then they're, they're, we talked earlier in the show about vacancy issues less mm-hmm. than 2%. So and, and tight inventory. So for all the reasons why you would want to list if you own are some of the reasons why you might not want to list because then you're stuck trying to find a place. Exactly. And yeah. I guess it all depends if you're going to buy again or if you're going to rent. But sometimes selling will right the ship and you can still buy again. So when we're talking about things like refinance, you can refinance up to 80% of the market value of your home. But when you sell your home, you're going to realize all of the equity, less obviously the fees, like maybe a mortgage penalty, you know, realtor's commission, lawyer's fees. 
but you're going to realize all of that equity. And then when you buy a new home, if it's owner occupied, maybe you only need to put down as little as 5% when you buy a new home. Right. So in Canada, when you buy a home, you can um, get a high, ro- high ratio insured mortgage. There's three mortgage insurers in Canada, and you can put down as little as 5% and get that high ratio insurance. For those borrowers that might have a little bit more skin in the game, you know, you sell your existing home, maybe you make a good profit, and you have a good solid down payment for a new property. If you put down 20% or more, you can get a conventional mortgage, and that means that you don't need to have that insurance. Okay, uh, I've heard the term porting a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that you've done that a million times, obviously. Yeah, we, right? we definitely do a lot of ports. Yeah. The big reason why someone would want to port is maybe they have a good interest rate on their existing mortgage or the penalty is prohibitive to pay it out and get a new one. So oftentimes porting doesn't make sense because normally paying out the penalty and getting a lower interest rate, especially in this rate environment, that makes sense because the interest rates today are at historic lows. So if you can afford the penalty and paying out the penalty makes sense, we're doing less ports now than we did before. But that's going to change because in two, three years, four years, five years down the road, when the interest rates are higher, and if you still have a little bit of term left, Mm -hmm. it might make sense to port if obviously the interest rates are lower on your existing mortgage than is what's being offered at that time. Okay. If somebody has uh, some credit issues Mm -hmm. and they've got a mortgage in place at a good interest rate, it's, it's, it's. I'm sure it's sometimes it's wise just to simply renew the mortgage with your existing lender. Is that? And we tell people that. Yeah. We definitely do. Right. And sometimes a refinance can make sense and sometimes it doesn't. So, you know, if there maybe is some credit issues, maybe if there's some in- income issues, but when you got your mortgage, your situation was different. Sometimes it makes sense just to stay put, keep your existing mortgage in place. And typically an existing lender will renew you at the market rates. They don't even ask for documents, do they? Usually not on renewal. It it really depends. That's not always the case, though. Okay. What? what, Some lenders... When might it be an exception? A lot of lenders will check your credit at renewal. Really? And if the credit is not up to standard, they may either only offer you a one-year term, and they may only offer you a renewal at higher rates. So most lenders, especially the bank lenders, all have posted rates. Those posted rates are typically much higher than what we're able to get on a discounted rate. So for example, the posted rate on a five-year fix today is 4.79. But a lot of borrowers are getting five-year fixed rates on an insured mortgage at like 169, 159. Mm -hmm. So obviously there's quite a big discount off that posted rate. But some lenders on renewal don't offer as deep of a discount, if any discount, if there was any repayment history with that, any repayment issues all, with the mortgage. That's a big red flag, yeah, right? Yeah, that's a yeah. big one. Yeah. You know, paying the mortgage is really the most important thing to do. Yeah. Or if there's any other credit issues. You know, obviously the credit matrix makes up a big piece of how mortgages are originated. And it also, you know, makes up how much risk the lender has. And, you know... I get asked from borrowers all the time. They're like, well, if I had a better credit score, could I get a lower rate? No. If you have a good credit score, so typically what we say is good is 680, 700, 720. If you have a good score, everyone's going to get the same rate. It's really more about the mortgage product. 
But on renewal, if you have a credit score that's maybe below 680, that may impact the pricing on the renewal or if the lender is willing to offer your renewal. So typically most lenders will offer a renewal unless you've had issues paying that mortgage during the term. Okay, so if, if your lender is one of the big banks, let's say, your mortgage lender, mm-hmm. you get a, uh, that documentation in the mail or email or whatever it is, say, hey, your mortgage is renewing, this is what we're going to renew it at. Perhaps you've lost a job, maybe you've had some bumps and maybe just play it quiet and just let it renew. Yeah, I think like, you know, I think you should look at each renewal individually. When oftentimes the renewal offers go out, they're not at the deepest discount. So I'm seeing renewals going out today. I've seen five-year fixed renewals going out as high as 3.79. So that's basically 100 basis points off the posted rate. So that's what kind of, you know, their first offer will say. You know, if you've had credit issues or if there is, you know, a, uh, issues with the income, you may have no choice yeah. but to take that. Yeah. But in those scenarios, I typically recommend either take a one-year fixed or go into maybe the variable rate product, even if the discount isn't as good. So then when you're in a situation to make a move and change lenders, then you're not locked into a five-year fixed rate. Okay, somebody lists, they decide to list, they want to obviously purchase, uh, then the pre-approval comes into play, right? What's the pre-approval process that you go through? Pre-approvals are super important. I don't think anyone should be looking at a home. I don't think any realtor should show anyone a home without a good, solid pre-approval. And the way that it works here is we do a full application for a pre-approval, which is a little bit different than every lender. Mm -hmm. Some lenders will do like a 60-second pre-approval. That's more like a little bit of a pre-qualification. When we go through the pre-approval process, we ask for income documents, we do a full credit bureau, we review the assets to make sure that you are good and solid and that there's not going to be any major surprises when you're making an offer. You want to know when you go and make an offer that we can get your mortgage approved. Now, that being said, not every borrower, we will do an actual full pre-approval and get a rate hold in place. If there maybe have been some credit issues in the past, but I believe we can get an approval, sometimes we will do that pre-qualification and say, okay, this works, but I'm not going to get a rate hold and a pre-approval in place because it's just too marginal that we can't secure a pre-approval. But we always have more power when there's a real live offer in place. So, you know, I think that you need to know what your situation is. And we never like getting borrowers hopes up if we don't think that it's something that we're able to do. Right. What about due diligence on your property before you list it? Should you hire somebody to maybe come in? Uh, I know that you generally the purchaser pays for a building inspection. Mm-hmm. But is it sometimes advantageous to be proactive to do that type of thing yourself as the seller? Then you can disclose. I think the more you disclose, like, finances often better. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you Yeah, think? I think that a lot of sellers are doing some pre-inspections. I think that was definitely a thing when maybe the market wasn't as hot. Right. I think less sellers are doing that type of due diligence now just because there's so many options in terms of selling. Mm-hmm. But when we're in this market that is hot and there's so many offers, what we're seeing more and more is that sometimes the sellers will take the highest price offer but in that offer there will be conditions for the buyer to say okay we have a financing condition we have an inspection 
And when they go through the inspection, if they do find issues, oftentimes the sellers need to fix it before closing, or the buyer will negotiate a bit of a price reduction to cover the cost to fix any of those issues that are found in the inspection. So I think it's just being cognizant of it. Right. And I think when you're a seller, you obviously want to make sure that your home's in the best possible condition. You know, when I was selling my last home, I did things that I didn't need to do. Like I got my heat pump service because I wanted to make sure that the buyers that were buying my home had a good solid home and then they weren't going to run into any issues. Well, so uh, concerning the, uh, the pre-approval process, uh, people need to know that's not underwriting, right? That's, I think sometimes people think, hey, I've got a pre-approval and then they run into snags at, at underwriting. That's, yeah, and that's I think true. that you know when we do conventional pre-approvals, those are underwritten. So basically, you have a pre-approval conditional on the on a firm purchase agreement, right. and the lender needs to like the home. Sometimes we'll get a pre-approval, and the borrower's great, but the property sucks. Yeah. And you know sometimes that could be the maker or the breaker because it's not just the borrower. The lender needs to be good with the security of the property. So sometimes the property is the problem. Not all the time, but sometimes. When it's a high ratio, so when it's an insured mortgage and you're putting down less than 20%, mm-hmm. not only does the lender need to have an approval, they need to have concurrence from the insurer that they'll approve you as well. So there's two layers that need to be done. And the insurers do not review a file unless you have a real live offer. So sometimes when it comes to you know a purchase, things can come up that the insurer finds that we don't see and the lender doesn't see. So sometimes they maybe find previous credit issues, or um, maybe they they find you know issues with the property that we just don't know up mm-hmm. front. So I think anytime that there's an insured uh, mortgage, obviously there's more due diligence, and we like to give as much time as possible when we are submitting a file for approval. Okay, we've got a little bit of time left. So what else do you want to get to quickly in the so next little bit? I think uh, you know when we get to our uh, next segment here, so hopefully everyone still yeah. stays tuned in, we're they going to talk a little will. bit about purchase plus improvement. So how can you improve that property you're buying? And uh, we'll talk a little bit about construction and building new homes. Okay, we'll be right back with Mortgage 101. I think it's pretty obvious that I selected the first two songs and you selected the second. Isn't the, the that last what relationships are about? It's like you Compromise. have to give a little bit, take a little bit. Yeah, sure. What is this? This is called Real Love. And I mean, February is the month of love, Todd, right? It, it sure is. Welcome back to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. It's the Love Your Home Valentine's edition. And we're going to spend the last little bit of our time on News 95.7 talking about purchase plus improvements and construction. And this is scary territory for some people, isn't it? Let's just call it what it is. Well, I think it's unknown territory. And yeah, I think on the unknown is scary. Yeah. I think when you get into renovations, you know, lots of things can go wrong. And I think that you need to have a little bit of a backup plan and you need to have that resiliency that you can get through it. Um, but more and more borrowers are doing things like purchase plus improvements. So really what that means is you can buy a home and you can get a quote from a contractor and we can finance up to a maximum of $40,000 along with that purchase. And those funds are held back until the work is complete. So normally the lenders will allow you to take 120 days to complete the work and then the funds are released. So it's a really great way to buy the worst house in the best neighborhood 
You know, it's all about location, location, location. And, um, you know, I think when you do things like renovation, it's about making that home yours and how can you, you know, make it fit your personality and your needs and how can you improve things like kitchens and bathrooms and flooring and windows. These are the things that we have the conversations with the borrowers uh, all the time. But you need to have access to to some funds, right? The lines of credit or whatever it might be in order to float that. Or the contractor needs to be able to float it and they know that they're going to get paid when the work is complete. How often does that relationship type of relationship happen then? I think it happens quite a lot. Quite a bit, yeah. 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 I think most contractors know and have that good faith that they're going to get paid when the work is done. Mm-hmm. And um, when we do things like purchase plus improvements, sometimes the contractor will ask the lawyer to do an undertaking and a direction to pay. So they know that they're going to get paid when that work is complete. Right. So they don't want to go on just somebody's word. They want to have it in in writing, obviously. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, contractors obviously probably want a deposit. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that they want, they want payment along that project. So depending on which contractor you're going to use, you need to be able to fulfill that, the terms of those, of that agreement but you're not going to get that those funds from that hole back until the work is complete. Okay, so if you've got timelines in place and we know that uh, contractors are going running run off their feet right now mm-hmm. right now, that can be an issue as well, can it not whether contractors can f- fulfill their commitment with this work? I think it can be certainly a challenge yeah. and I think that if you're going to do things like purchase plus improvements, you need to know you're going to get the work done. The one good thing is that normally when you make an offer on a property, Maybe it's not going to close for one, two, three, four months down the road. So when you get something together with a contractor, they can start ordering the materials before you even close on your new home. Mm-hmm. So they can start working really day one. Must be a bit of bit of a challenge though when it comes to pricing this type of thing with the with the cost of the fluid cost of of material that's going up, right? So is this sometimes is it sometimes difficult to nail down a price and to know how much money you need going into these things? Or Well, I think if you know you're doing purchase plus improvements, you almost need to bring the contractor in with you when you go look at the home. Because if that's a maker or breaker of you buying the property, then you really need to have that quote up front and we need to get it approved with your purchase. Because, you know, we're seeing sometimes people will go and they'll get a quote for $38,000, let's say. Mm-hmm. But the as improved value would only support maybe improvements of 30000 So that means that you've really kind of gone over what the market will support. And I think that's really a symptom of sometimes borrowers paying top dollar for the property as well. Because there's a certain threshold of, you know, how much a property is going to be worth. And we all know there's things that borrowers like to do that might not necessarily increase the value of the property. So there's a difference between, you know, maintenance and capital improvements. So, you know, I think, you know, if a borrower is going to put in a pool, that's not necessarily going to increase that property value. In some cases, maybe it decreases it. Right. There's certain things that are really, you're going to make the best bang for your buck. And we want to make sure that when you do these purchase plus improvements, you're going to increase that value dollar for dollar for what you're going to spend. Okay. So recently HRM passed a bylaw, which allowed people, I don't know if it's been enacted or if it's in place yet to build, I don't know if granny suite is the right term, but they can, I can't remember the terminology, but in their back, that they can add to their back. Yeah, lane, the, laneway suites. I can't and remember what it's called. Have you seen many people plan. coming in with that? 
Um, you With know, those types of projects? I think as the property values go up, we are seeing more and more demand for properties that have a secondary suite. It's a great way to offset your housing costs. You know, just imagine like if you maybe have a bungalow with a finished basement and that basement's converted into an in-law suite, mm -hmm. it can be a great way to really reduce your housing costs. I know some borrowers that almost have a net zero housing cost due to the rent that they're bringing on in on secondary suites. So when we do owner-occupied uh, financing, we can finance residential properties up to a four-unit. So I know lots of first-time home buyers that are buying three and four-unit properties, living in one unit, and then renting out the other units to offset the cost of operating that property. Mortgage, property tax, insurance, maintenance. And, you know, depending on how you want to live, this might not be your forever plan, but it's a great way to get first-time home buyers into the housing market and really make sure that their finances are going to be protected. Normally, when you buy an owner-occupied property or a two-unit, you can put down as little as 5%. When you get into three units and four units, it's a minimum of 10% down. Okay, but the lender, from what I understand, won't consider that income in, until you've got a, a year or so in which you show it income on your on your income tax. Is that accurate or not? We can actually use 50% of the rent for the other suites towards your gross income when we're doing an owner-occupied plus rental. Right. So we can either take the existing leases that are in place for those units, mm -hmm. and we can use 50% of that rent towards your gross income, or if the property's not rented, there's some lenders that are, will allow us to get a market rent analysis, I and see. we can use 50% of that rent towards your gross income. So it's a great way to also help you qualify for maybe a more expensive property that you might not be able to normally support just on your income alone. Right. So the idea is just 50% so that if, if the unit is not occupied for a couple of months or whatever it might be, that you're still able to meet that financial commitment to some degree. That's the well, purpose think, of that, is it? I think the reason that they use the 50% mark too is, you know, the rent isn't going to pay just the mortgage. There's so many other expenses that you have to think about when you own a home. You know, you just talked right. about shoveling. Yeah. Maybe you need snow removal. Yeah. There is power, oil, you know, heating expenses, maintenance, insurance, water. These are things that are outside of that mortgage payment that sometimes I think home buyers kind of forget about when they think they're like, okay, I know what my mortgage payment's gonna be. Well, we can't forget about property taxes plus everything else that comes into operating that home. And uh, new construction, what's, what's your quick advice for brand new construction? Kind well, of the same thing, is it not? I think new construction, you know, we're certainly doing a lot of new construction, whether that's a turnkey, but some borrowers own a piece of land and they wanna either do a self build or a contractor built, we certainly offer that type of financing. And not every lender is really into construction. Obviously, it's a little bit of a riskier type of transaction. And typically, the rates with construction are a little bit higher than what a borrower could get just on a normal purchase or purchase plus improvements. But I think everyone has, uh, when, it, when it comes to construction, everything is a case-by-case -case basis. And we really want to just understand the ins and the outs of how the uh, transaction is going to work. All right, let everybody know how they can get a hold of you and all that you do and all the, the, the best ways so that they can get your advice and, and, and potentially come in and see you or some of your team here. The first place to check us out is online at teamclinton.ca slash radio. We have offices in Dartmouth and Halifax. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now more than ever, we're seeing clients over technology and we're doing telephone calls. We're lending across the country 
You know, many of our clients are in the military. We're moving them all the time. And we're getting a lot of calls from outside Atlantic Canada for borrowers moving here to this area. So, right. you know, we're certainly willing to help on all kinds of different transactions. It doesn't matter what type of mortgage lending that is. Certainly check us out online. I think that's the first step. We have lots of great information uh, in there. And we're going to be back next month. Yeah, back next month. We're doing this all year on News 95.7. And people can check out our Facebook live stream as well every Tuesday at 1230. Right? Yeah, we'll be on next Tuesday at 1230 on our Facebook. If you go to our website at teamclinton.ca slash radio, you can surf right onto our Facebook page, right. like it, and then you can see Todd and I live on the air next Tuesday at 1230. All right, we'll see you uh, next month for Mortgage 101. Thanks, Clinton. Thanks, Todd.